living in view of eternity. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but so turned on here. You're good now, Luke? Alright. Uh, so yeah, we came up with that years ago, always living in view of eternity. And uh, so it's one of the goals that we always have with the with the kids and uh, I enjoy them being in here, amen. And uh, it's a blessing. And uh, uh, I think they out of my head if we took away the children's missionary offering. But uh, man, I love I love watching them, and that's a blessing. And uh, helping them to learn to give unto the Lord. We'll take your Bibles this morning and turn, if you will, to the book of Proverbs, chapter number three. We have uh, concluded, we did last week, our series on forgiveness, and it was a lengthy one. And I'm glad you stuck around for it. See that some maybe didn't survive the fall out, maybe a little bit this morning, and we're all low this morning. It's okay. We've got some folks out of town and others too. So, uh, so, uh, and we really, I was talking to somebody the other day. We have about four or five people that are not feeling well that can't make it to church, and they all have mobility issues, just not able to move, and not able to, just basically not able to come, just not able to walk. And so, uh, so be in prayer for them. Lord will help them. Proverbs chapter 3. We'll start there this morning. Thank you, Marshall. And uh, let's look here and uh, let's just read a little bit of the context here of what's happening in Proverbs 3. Some of the verses we'll read are some, probably some of your most uh, well-beloved that you hear in the scriptures. Solomon writes to his son, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck and write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find good favor. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of the Lord, in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own lives. Fear the Lord, and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel, and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the firstfruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Today I want to uh, look at a message uh, I've entitled very simply called Giving to God. Giving to the Lord. And a proper understanding of what it means uh, to biblically give to God. And uh, if you're wondering, I went ahead and went back uh, to my notes over the past uh, many years of preaching and uh, searched it out. And I found that the last time that I preached on the subject of tithing was on March the 23rd, 2014. And uh, that was the last time, and so uh, that I ever that I talked about it in other messages, or I maybe have mentioned it. And I'm not speaking of missions giving. I nearly do that every year, and just remind us that we need to give to missions. But uh, on the subject of giving of our finances, a portion of our finances back to God. Uh, literally, the last time that I said that we looked at this was in 2014, and uh, and it's a. Uh, a subject that I was, when I got back into it, blown away uh, with what God has to say about uh, giving uh, to Him. 
I'm, I'm shocked, in fact, uh, that it's not spoken on more uh, because it is an amazing subject. And uh, I'm going to be using that word, tithe. What does tithe mean? It means 10%. Uh, 10%. But I believe, and I've, under the conviction, and I believe the, the scriptures uh, support that Christians should tithe. For in tithing, we worship God. We should tithe because in tithing, uh, we worship God. And there's many concerns that I have with tithing that I want to present to you. They will all get presented today. But uh, I hope that through this, we can have a better understanding of what it means to give to God. I really do. Um, because a lot of people have a misconception and a skewed view of what it means to give to God. And, and, uh, and there's been other people that have been uh, maybe, you might say, uh, got a little jaded at churches because of the preaching on giving. And we definitely have the whole entire uh, uh, charismatic and movement and other movements that have been out there that have really distorted uh, this whole idea of giving, and uh, and you've got you know flat uh, pastors, you know you know flying forty two million dollar jets, you know what I mean, and stuff like that, and you know and and all of that can be said to be true, but at the same exact time, there should be none of us that should ignore the facts of what the scriptures teach us, uh, from what God teaches us in His. Holy Word. Also, I want to encourage us to be obedient to give. I do think it is an act of obedience uh, to give to God. It's an act of obedience. It's not just uh, something that we get to choose to do, but it's an act of obedience that we get to have. But also, as I just read to you, is that when you give to God, then I truly believe that God's Word is fulfilled and that you get to experience the blessings of God. The blessings of God. He tells us there in Proverbs, he says, Honor the Lord with thy substance, with the first fruits of thy increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty. I don't believe that this is just a uh, promise that Proverbs, that the writer of Solomon was writing to his son, that it's just valid for him. I believe it's valid for us today, this very moment, and for this very hour. And that truly, as Christians, we, that we can see that a Christian lives better on 90% than he does on 100%. Mm-hmm. It, it just, it does, the math doesn't work out for us, I know, but it does in the end for a believer. Now, I preface that as a believer. Amen? I do. I preface that as a believer. Uh, I've, I've listened to Dave Ramsey and, and things like that, and, and uh, maybe he has something with that in the sense that uh, that everybody, no matter believer or unbeliever, whoever you are, uh, has a better life if they give a portion of their finances away. And I do think that Jesus says that it is better to give than it is to receive, right? And I believe that promise is across the board. I don't, I don't, I don't think that there's an unbeliever out there that would tell you that actually learns to practice giving and they're not giving to a church, but maybe some charitable donations or whatever, that they have a better time, they enjoy it more to give than they actually do to receive. And so it's a, it's a, it's a uh, known fact across the board. Uh, it's a promise of God. Also, uh, and we won't see this today, but 
a very interesting fact on giving is this, is that when we learn to give a portion back to God, what God has given to us, is that that helps us to fear God and to trust God. Because what we're saying is that, God, I'm willing to give back to you this portion, which I have no idea what you're going to do with. And, Lord, you're underneath no bounds necessarily to bless me, eternal, or bless me uh, here by me giving it. Nor am I giving this in a way that I might think, well, if I give 10% back to God, then God's going to bless me with, you know, 20%. All right? I don't get that. All right? The blessings of God, listen to me this morning. Might not be on this earth, even in fact. Amen? Amen. Might be in glory. And I and I hope every believer is okay with that. We should be, amen. Because better are the blessings in glory than the blessings down here, amen? Much better. And then today our message will be this, as I've already as I've already introduced to you, that a Christian should tithe because an entitling. We worship God. Now, can anybody uh, tell me uh, where you think that the word tithing came from? Do you think a pastor, you know, one day thought, you know what, I'm going to, my church isn't giving, Brother John, you don't really got to get them giving, you know, so here we go, 10%, that's what we're going to do, you know, that's the standard across the board. No, that's not what happened. Anybody want to take a stab at where tithing all originated from, began from, started from? I'm giving you hints this for genocide. Genesis was gen, the genesis of it. <laughs> it starts in where? Genesis. genesis. That's amazing to me. Why is that amazing to me? Take your Bibles to Genesis chapter number 14. Because as we've been looking at all these kinds of things, and I think I've briefly mentioned this, but do you know where the subject, uh, going back to our study on forgiveness, where does forgiveness originate from in our Bibles? Genesis. God forgiving Adam and Eve. But also, the first instance of forgiveness in the Word of God is Joseph forgiving his brethren. Really, you might even think of an Esau forgiving Jacob for what he did to him. Though it's not verbalized, it's definitely seen. But Joseph definitely gives to us our first... You look at the book of Genesis, it's an awesome book, man. It's got the first of all kinds of things in it. And we need to study the book of Genesis because it helps us to see where these things come from. What is a tithe, though? What is it? A tithe simply means 10%, all right? Jacob words it like this, I shall give a tenth back unto God uh, of all that he's given to me. It's a 10% of all before before the groceries, before the taxes, before the insurances, before all of it comes out. No, is the first thing is I am giving to God. I'm giving to God. Give to God first. Now, the subject is much deeper and broader than I even imagined at first when never getting into all these things. And it's sad to me, I guess, that I've never really heard a, an exposition behind tithing. You know, sometimes you just get somebody that says, well, we're in the New Testament now, we don't have to tithe anymore. The Bible, the New, the New Testament doesn't say anything about tithing. Well, you're wrong about that, all right? First of all, Jesus talks about it. The epistles talk about it. It's alluded to all over the place. And if we don't like tithing, then we can just go back to the book of Acts, chapter number two, where they sold everything and they gave it all to the church, all right? So, I mean, uh, let's find some middle ground here, right? So anybody that tells you that, they don't know their Bibles and they don't know what they're talking about, really, whenever they say stuff like that. 
Uh, but this whole idea, though, of tithing originates not with man, not with anybody, but it starts back here in the book of Genesis when Abraham is dealing with um, this man, Melchizedek, uh, here in this particular text. So, but we're going to answer some questions. Why, where is it at? It's, here's in, it's here in the beginning of the Bible. Uh, it's a principle and a command that's set forth before us in this particular text. But today we're seeing that it is an act of worship to give to God. It is a literal act of worship to give back to the Lord. And in Genesis chapter 14, what happens here, let me set the scenario up for you real quickly, is that Abraham hears that his nephew, Lot, is in trouble. There's a king uh, from Elam, and he goes down and attacks the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, and he brings out the kings there, those five kings do, and Abraham gets his armed men together, establishes an army, and uh, goes out and fights and brings back uh, these men, uh, these, these, these kings, and saves Lot also in the process. And in all of this, when all of this goes down and it finishes, you find that in verse number 18, uh, you find that there is somebody that comes to meet um, Abraham. And this, or as he's known in our text here, he's still, his name has not been changed. His name is Abram. And in verse number 18, we find, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, that is king of Jerusalem, uh, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God, um, Elohim. It's who he was. He was the one that was the priest of him. And he blessed him and he said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed, and blessed be the Most High God, which has delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he, that is Abram, gave, tithe, gave him tithes of all. Gave him tithes of all. Another misconception, too, that you get with tithing sometimes is that people will say, well, tithing in the Old Testament was only things that were uh, like oil and wine and livestock and seed and fruit. Uh, but again, when you hear people talk like that, you realize that they don't know the Bible because that's not true either. Uh, because that... The Bible does teach us several ways in which you could give money uh, as your tithe. But in this case here, he's giving all the spoils as a tenth of the spoils back to Melchizedek. What could it be? What could be a spoil? Could be livestock. Could be clothing. Could be fruit. Could be nuts. Could be seed. Uh, could be any of those things. Could be silver. Could be gold. Could be money. We don't know exactly what it is. Whatever it was, it was of the spoils that he had gathered, which you can imagine would have probably been a pretty good spoil. You spoil five kings. All right? Don't you think you're going to get some pretty good riches back? Amen? I mean, I think one of the kings, uh, not in this particular case here, but one of the kings I remember, uh, he even decorated his camel. I mean, his camel had like, you know, gold rims on it. I mean, like, it was like, it was like all decorated up, had a big old gold chain with a jewel in the middle of it. I mean, he was, he was the camel of the camels. I mean, I mean, that these kings, they had money, they had spoils, and they like to publicize that, all right? And let everybody know that. They didn't hide it away. 
because it established their greatness if they did so. So he had a lot of stuff that he was returning from. But in our case here, he gives them the spoils of the war, as we find here. But where does it all start at? It starts with the fact that here's this random dude, Melchizedek, shows up on the scene and blesses Abraham, and then he leaves. Uh, who is Melchizedek? Well, the Bible says that he's the priest of the Most High God. He's the, he's the priest of Elohim. He is the lifted up priest. He is one that is serving as a priest, as one that is bringing others to God. Remember, we've been talking about that in Sunday school. Is that what is a priest? He's somebody that brings people to God, shows people God, and that's what he was doing. He was coming on behalf of God and blessing Abraham. And in doing so, Abraham falls down and worships God. And in worshiping God, he gives to this priest. He gives to this priest. He's worshiping the Lord. The tithe is a command of God, but the tithe is also voluntary. You know, there is no church IRS. Amen? There was no, in fact, we can go back further, there was no Levitical IRS. There was nobody that was set up to be like, all right, uh, you know, Reuben, uh, y'all didn't tithe this month, you know. Uh, y'all need a y'all need a ante up and everything. There was there wasn't anything like that. The tithe is a command, but it's also voluntary. It's also voluntary. And so at the same time, it's both. It's both. The principle is established for us in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, where whenever he says, he says, he that soweth sparingly shall reap. Anybody know that word? Sparingly. He that soweth bountifully shall reap. And that's the text. That's what he's saying. And he's talking about financial giving, no doubt, there in 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. But here in this case, what we're seeing now is that why is he giving? Not because he has to, not because God's twisting his arm. No, Abram is grateful for the blessings of God. He's thankful for the provisions that God has expressed to him through defeating these kings. And he says, I will give back a tenth, a, a portion, back to this priest, in order that I might worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Um, funny thing, too, I always think whenever people say, well, tithing's not in the New Testament. But don't you think it's very interesting that God chose, in Hebrews chapter number 7, He could have chosen a lot of things, all right? God's a big God, right? But in order to establish that Jesus' priesthood was better than the Aaronic priesthood, what illustration does he use? Tithing. That's what he uses. Of all the things that he could have used, he uses tithing to illustrate. So the Bible doesn't speak ill of it. The Bible doesn't speak down to it. In fact, uh, if you take your Bibles uh, over to Genesis chapter number 26 and verse number 5, God is speaking to Isaac here. Remember, Isaac is Abraham's son. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the patriarchs of Israel. The Bible says in verse number 5, he says, because that, or excuse me, verse number 4, 
And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto thee thy seed all these countries. And in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed, because that Abraham obeyed my voice, and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. My laws. One thing that really struck me in the study of this was, was the fact that we need to break away from the fact from this thinking that in Exodus chapter number 20, that all of a sudden that the people of God knew the laws of God. And I used to have I, I, I sometimes have that. I think Exodus 20 through Deuteronomy, we have the law of God. We, we don't have it before that. We don't have it anywhere before that. But in Genesis, we're told that Abraham kept God's commandments, God's laws, God's statutes. He kept all of those things. Why is it, why did Joseph not have an, have an adulterous relationship with uh, Potiphar's wife? Because he knew that the word that God's law was, thou shalt not commit adultery. He knew that. That was expressed. I don't know how. We know that it's not here. Why isn't it here? Because God knew that he was going to write it in Exodus. That's why. And he knew he was going to write it again in Deuteronomy. That's the repeating of the law in Deuteronomy. He knew he was going to give it to us several times there. No need to give it to us here. How did Abel and Cain know what to sacrifice? Did Cain, like, miss the sacrificing class, you know, that day? Was he like, you know, did he play hooky on the day that God, that, 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 did, did that, was that what happened? Did he miss out on something? No. Did Abel just kind of like get it right, you know, and Cain, and Cain just kind of got it wrong? And God's like, hey, there's a bit of mix up here, like Joseph was, whatever he said. Oh, hey, Dad, you're blind, you know, and you got your hands on the wrong people here. No, he says, no, I know exactly where my hands are. Cain and Abel knew exactly what was going on. They knew what they were supposed to do as far as sacrifices was concerned. That was a rebuke from God in Genesis chapter number 4. God had expressed to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Noah, the rest of them, He expressed to him them what their laws were, what He expected of them. I am of no follower of opinion that Abraham came up with this thought of that, you know what, I think 10% is kind of good. I think that's what I'll give to it. I think that's a good idea. He said, why do you believe that? Because... Turn to Genesis chapter number 28. Look here. I know this is a lot of preliminary things. And, but look here. Isn't it amazing that it just appears again? Where is Jacob at? Jacob is in the house of loves. Or uh, as he's going to rename it, he's going to call it Bethel, the house of God. It's going to go from the house of an idol to the house of God. All right? Why? Because uh, Jacob has just been banished from his family, been kicked out because of his wrongdoing that he did with, uh, with his dad and with Esau. And he's been made to go uh, serve some hard time uh, up there uh, at his uh, uncle's, uncle's place. And on the way, he takes a little rest at night. And he gets a rock for his pillow. How many ever thought that was weird when he read that in Genesis? You know, 
uh, gathered up a rock for his pillow, you know. But he gets a rock for his pillow. He lays down and he goes to sleep and he, uh, he feels a little nudge or he, feels a, he sees a light or something. He wakes up in the middle of the night and he looks up and he rubs his eyes and he goes, Am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? And he sees the angels of God ascending and descending from heaven on a ladder. And he goes, Surely this is the house of God. And he sets up an altar there and he pours oil over, over, over the thing. And he dedicates it and he says, I'm going to come back here. And when I come back here, listen to what he says in verse 20. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I go and give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone, which I have set for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that I that shall that shall and of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Abraham knew what to do. Jacob knew what to do. I believe Isaac understood this well also. But here they are, here he is, looking at this ladder, and angels ascending and descending. And so like Abraham, in a moment of worship, after this great victory that he has, he gives a tenth of the spoils back unto the priest of God. And so here, in a moment of this great experience that he has, and you could say a moment of worship, Jacob says, I will dedicate. Why didn't he give anything to God right then? Anybody want to take a guess? He didn't have anything, all right? It's kind of hard to give 10% back to God whenever you don't have any, you know, we're talking about of your increase, amen? That's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about if you don't have it, you don't have it, you don't have to give it, okay? All right? Jacob says, I don't have anything, but when I do get something, I'm going to give it back to you, is what he says. And he does. He prepares it. He's going to give, give back to him. And in doing so, he is worshiping God. And like Abraham, and like Isaac, and like Jacob, you know what? I want to worship God. And you know what? I've seen the ladder. I know who the ladder is. Jesus told me who the ladder was. He said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the ladder. Jesus said, I am the door. Jesus even said in John chapter number 3, take your Bibles over there to John 3, and notice what it says. John 3, and you all know the text of John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, but look here what he says. It gives an illusion, and I believe just like Brother Eric preached for us in the revival meetings, uh, Nicodemus would have understood exactly what Jesus was saying whenever he says what he says right here in verse number in verse number thirteen. He says, or verse number twelve, "If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things?" And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that uh, came down from heaven or descended is the idea, ascending, descending. Who's ascending, descending? What are we talking about right here? 
the, the Lord. We're talking about him. He says, he says, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. Nicodemus would have immediately gone and gone back and understood exactly what he was talking about. Jacob having the experience. There he is in the wilderness, and he sees the angel of God ascending and descending on the ladder of God. And what is Jesus saying? He said, I'm the one, Nicodemus. I'm the one. I'm the one that gives access between earth and heaven. I am it. That is who. And I've seen the one, not personally with my eyes, amen, but spiritually with my heart. And because I know he is the way, and I know that he is the life, and I know that he is the truth, and I know that he is the door, and I know that he is what he is, then I want to worship him by giving to him a small portion of what he has given to me. Aren't you, I mean, think about it. Don't you think God could have asked for 90%? You know? And there's another, uh, there's another mis- misnomer too, is that some people think that uh, the Jews were supposed to get 30% or 33% and everything. If you study the thing out, really, it's not that. It's always the tithe, the tithe, the tithe. It was always 10% across the board. There's not two tithes, three tithes, four or five or six tithes. No, there's only one tithe. And, uh, Maybe we'll look into that later on. But my point being here this morning is this. Is that if we want to worship God, then we'll tithe. We will tithe. God isn't twisting my heart to write a check for 10%. No. It's nothing like that at all. No, I want to give. I want to give to God. Because I want to worship God. Because I want to worship the Lord. I want to worship Him. Jacob says, if God, if you'll prove yourself faithful to me, then I will, I will give to you. And can I tell you right now that as long as I've given to God, as long as I've given to God, as long as I've tithed, and I'll tell you what, it's not just tithing, it goes beyond that. And I'm not here to speak on that this morning, but it, as long as I've tithed unto God, I've never missed a meal, I've never missed a payment, I've never missed anything out of anything by giving to God. It's helped me to fear God. It's helped me to love God. It's helped me to be so much afraid to not give that I want to give. I want to give because I'm afraid not to give. I want to give to to the Lord. And if I don't give to, to, to the Lord, then I know that I'm not properly worshiping God. God took care of us, folks, on Calvary. Amen? All right? This is what I love about this. Is what I, it's one of the greatest things about get, about preaching on giving is this: is that number one, I've experienced and I know it's true. But number two is this: is that man, I don't got to twist nobody's arm. That's the best thing about it, because God never twists anybody's arm. He expects it, but he doesn't send the Levitical IRS or the Church IRS out here to, to, to talk to you about it either. Because why? Because first and foremost, giving is an act of worship. And you can't make work, you can make anybody worship. You can't make anybody worship. Worship comes out of the heart. That's where it comes from. And true giving comes from the heart. And the reason I give, and the reason you ought to give, is because of what Calvary means to you. Because of what Jesus did for you on the cross. And then when you start giving, you'll realize, you know what? That's not quite enough. You know what? 
I, you know, I see somebody else that needs some help, and I need to give to them. Or I see this missionary that needs some help, and I need to give to them. Or, or, or I need to give to this uh, particular thing because they need some help too. And you see, you start seeing needs. And where God starts putting them up on your heart. Why? Because you see what God's done for you and what you want to do for others. And how you want to help. And you're at least going to give what's expected of you. A tithe. Because a Christian always lives better on 90% than he does 100%. God will take care of you. Jesus wrote. Jesus said. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust doth not corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore that eye be single, that whole body shall be full of light. But if that eye be evil, that whole body shall be full of darkness. If there therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will despise the one, hope of the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and man. You can't serve both. Abraham knew that when the priest of the Most High God came to him, he knew, either by direct revelation of God, command of God, statue of God, law of God, somehow he knew within his heart that, you know what, I've got all this stuff right here. There's no way, shape, or form that I can be right with God, stay right with God, and worship God by keeping everything that I have here. No, here, you take some too. Jacob, as fleshly as he was, as many bad decisions that he made, all right, even in the vow that he vows, I don't really agree with everything that he says, okay? But nonetheless, whether I agree with it or not, here is a man that said, if God takes care of me, and does what his, fulfills his end of the bargain, which he always does, then I'll give back to him because that's only the worshipful thing to do. That's, all the, that's the only thing I can do. It's obey God. Obey God. So the question you have to ask yourself is what Jesus said, you cannot serve God and mammon, is who are we serving today? And I can answer that question for you with two questions. Number one is this. Have you seen in your life that mammon, money, the things of this world, even the good works that you do, will not save you? There's no point in anybody here leaving this auditorium and beginning to tithe 10% of their income, of their increase, if they're not saved. And thinking that that's somehow going to merit my favor with God. It's not going to, my friend. It's not going to. You can merit no favor with God. The only thing that you can do is ask God humbly to save you. If you've done that, the next question I would ask you this, are you serving God or are you serving mammon? Then, are you giving 10% of your mammon Back to God? Or do you keep all of it for yourself? Or do you keep it all? Yeah, but I got that, and I got this, and I got that. Listen, we all got we all got that. Everybody's got that. There's not one person in here that doesn't have a bill. Amen? Mm -hmm. Not one. Not one. 
Who are we serving? May God help us to serve God, most importantly to worship God, and give the tithe back to Him. Father, we're thankful for the Word of God.